Uh, our good Father, we just pray with the psalmist that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things in your word. Your word, it's meant to move us. Uh, it's meant to pierce us. It's meant to move us to tears even. I pray that you would do that inner work in our hearts because we see something uh, beautiful. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So this past weekend, my family and I were able to get away and spend some time together. And we went up to Washington, uh, D.C. And as you all know, there's so much to see. If you go up to the city, there's monuments, there's museums. And that's where we spent so much of, of our time together, which means that if you would have followed our family around, uh, things that you would have been hearing over and over again would be things like, look, look at this. Did you see this? Check this out. Can you believe this? In other words, time and time again, one of us would see something. Something like the, the actual gun that was used to shoot Abraham Lincoln. Something like the actual coat that George Washington wore into battle. Something like T-Rex fossils eating on a rhinoceros or triceratops. And what we did is we, we found it amazing and moving and we wanted to share what we saw with one another for them to experience what we had experienced. And there's something similar that is happening in these words before us this morning. If you are new to resurrection, we are walking through this letter written by a dear friend and close follower of Jesus. And the common theme we're seeing is that John is saying, there is something that I've seen, something that I have experienced, something that I've heard, something that I've touched, that is life, that is joy, that is freedom, that I want you to know. Remember the very opening words, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life. That which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. What we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you. He's, he's sharing something that in his own heart and mind is of tremendous value. He's saying, look, don't miss this. You've got to see this. And not just see it, but you've got to really see it. You've got to let this sink into your heart. Fill your mind. And when it does, it will completely transform your life. And so there are two simple questions I want us to consider from our text this morning. The first is, what is it that we are supposed to see? And second is, what happens when we actually see it? So first, what are we supposed to see? What does He not want us to miss? And then, what happens when we actually see it? When it begins to take root in our lives? How, how do we change and what kind of people do we become? So first, what are we supposed to see? If all you look at is 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. There's, there's so much that John just packs together in this. But if you dig through it, there's really only one action that we are called to take. When you cut through it all, there's just one action because he knows that this one action, when taken seriously, will have a domino effect in our lives. Creating this cascading movement of change. Verse 1, chapter 3, the action we are called to take is simply to see, to look, to behold. It sounds so simple and so easy. But there are so many things in our lives and in our cultural moment that that make us following this command so incredibly challenging. We live in a world where we are bombarded every day, all day by voices and images that say, look at this, listen to this, this is important, this is life, this is what you need to be thinking about, this is what you need to be doing. You experience this when you turn on the TV or YouTube or TikTok and you look at all of these options, endless options of what you can watch. We experience this when we open Instagram and Facebook and and Twitter and we have all of these options of people that we can follow. We experience this when we turn on the radio or Spotify or countless podcasts and options of voices that we can listen to. We experience this when we walk into a Barnes and Noble or a public library, turn on the news and and all of these options of things that we can read or information that we can absorb. And maybe John is just another one of those many voices that we can choose to listen to or not. Or maybe it is God speaking to us to cut through all this to say, listen. Maybe it's a quieter, stronger voice that's offering life. Look, listen, see. So what is it that we're supposed to see? Two things. And these two things are inseparably connected for John. They're related, but we're going to deal with them separately. The first is there is something about God that we are meant to see. Verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given us. In other words, there is something about God. There is something about who He is. There is something about what He has done that we are meant to look at and sit before and absorb and enjoy and be changed by, not just in passing, but to fix our eyes, to fix our attention on it. The call to slow down. Because the message is, don't miss this. Don't miss who God is. Don't miss what He has done. Don't miss what His heart is towards you. Don't miss this gift that He has given freely to you. Because the danger for us is that we've heard it so many times that we pass over it. That we find these other voices so much more compelling. These other images so much more beautiful, 
to look at. There was an informal experiment done years ago where it was in London and a group of individuals was just in the town square just passing out these 10-pound notes on pieces of paper. Uh, There's no gimmicks. There's no strings attached, uh, no offer. It was just them giving out free money, and they wanted to see how people would respond to it. But what they experienced as they were trying to give out this money is people just, nobody wanted it. They just kept walking by. They couldn't get anybody's attention. They were trying to simply give out free money with no strings attached, and nobody took them up, or very few people took them up on their offer. The main reason was because people concluded from just seeing what they were doing that they already knew what was happening, and so they just walked on. There is a real danger in us assuming that we get the love of God, that we've actually measured it, and that we can move on from it. But what John is saying is you've got to see it's deeper than you think. It is stronger than you think. It is more beautiful than you think. It is more life-giving than you think. And it is more costly than you think. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That is what we need to see about God. But there's more. There is also something that we need to see about us. Listen to the rest of verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Something has happened in their lives. God has done a powerful work inside of them in such a way that they can be, it can be said of them, verse 29 and verse 9, they have been born of God. They have experienced what Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus, but what Nicodemus did not seem to understand. When Jesus said simply, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Now, in our culture, this phrase, being a born-again Christian, carries a whole lot of cultural baggage with it. But if we are able to cut through that and get to the heart of it, what it all boils down to is this simple truth that God is doing a beautiful and powerful work in human hearts, giving new life, giving new joy, giving new freedom. One of the the most powerful and helpful pictures of this comes from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, where through Ezekiel, God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. What I'm going to do is I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And according to Jesus, this is a kind of inner heart work and transformation that not everyone experiences. Being a Christian isn't just about 
believing certain propositions or living according to certain morals. It's much deeper. Being a Christian is about being made new from the inside out. And and with this internal transformation comes a new and secure place in God's family. When I hear about adoption stories, and there's some of them in this room, my, my favorite part of those stories is the court day. Uh, it's not the day that the parents first uh, meet the child or first hold the child or even give the child a name. It's this day when the parents go to court and they stand before a judge and they say in a public and legal way, we want this child. We want to be legally bound to this person. We want to be responsible fully for helping this child grow and thrive. We want to give of ourselves day in and day out and sacrifice of ourselves for the good of this child. We want this child to share our name and to share a secure place in our family that cannot be undone. We want to love this child forever. And it's a powerful moment. It's it's a moment that gives us only a taste of the, the kind of love that God has for us and the kind of bond that He enters into with His people. And He invites us to freely enjoy. Not because of a past record of goodness, a reputation for high moral standards, but He invites us as we are to come to Him and to have this place in His family. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are. That's what we're called to see. The second question is, what happens when we see this clearly? What kind of people do we become or what kind of change does it work in our hearts? Because we see this pattern clearly in Scripture. As we begin to see something clearly, we are changed by what we see. You could say it in this short way. Beholding is becoming. As we behold, we become. You could even say whatever it is that we behold. It's like that that we will become. Which is why it's so important in God saying this is what you are to look at. This is what you are to see. Verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Why? Because we shall see Him as He is. Okay, there's a lot there, so let's slow down and let's look at the logic. We are God's children right here and now. Those who, through faith, in Jesus, belong to God's family. But there is something greater in the future stored up for us. It's a mystery in how good it will be. And the time is coming when we will see Him clearly for who He really is. Perfectly. His grace. His goodness. His faithfulness. His mercy. His justice. We'll see 
the gravity of the cross and we'll see the glory of the, re- of the resurrection in a way like never before. And what John says is when we see that, Him for who He is, we will become like Him. Beholding, becoming. But this process begins here and now. As we behold here and now, we become like here and now. But John is seeing something that troubles him in the life of people within these early church communities, and that is a disconnect from what they say they believe on one hand and what their lives are actually producing on the other. And this is a disconnect that we see over and over again, and we see this uh, even in our own lives. And so what John is doing here is pushing them in a new direction saying they have this new relationship with God through Jesus, but their lives have not changed very much. And it's not, it's not so much that they still struggle with sin. The problem really is that they aren't struggling with sin anymore. What I mean by that is it's just become a way of life that they're okay with. And John is clear It doesn't work like that. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Verse 6, no one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And even stronger, verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Verse 10, by this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Sometimes we need people to ask us the hard questions, and sometimes we need people to tell us the hard truths. John, having spent so much time with Jesus, is asking the hard questions and is speaking the hard truths For the purpose, remember, early on, chapter 1, verse 5, writing these things, why? So that your joy, so that our joy might be complete. Do our lives give evidence to a new heart? Do our lives reflect a place in this new family? Do our lives and our hearts reflect and tell a different story? If we're trying to put our finger on the source of this problem. Here's how John helps us in verse 6. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. In other words, if you really see Him, if you really see Him for who He really is, if you really know Him for who He really is, your life will not be the same. Your life will be different. Beholding is becoming That's one of the reasons why every Sunday morning, our big hope is not, and my big hope is not just to give you a a motivational speech or instructions on how to obey better. Our great hope, our big prayer is that you would see Jesus every Sunday, week in and week out, that we would be presenting Him clearly by what we sing 
by what we pray, by what we preach on, by what we read, by what we share in together, that you would walk away saying, I have seen Jesus. John is not naive. He's not being over-spiritual. He knows that sin is going to be an ongoing struggle in each of our lives. Remember what he said earlier in his letter, if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John's emphasis in this letter is not just be better, try harder. He is sharing good news. That is not good news. This message of you just need to do better this next week. And God's told you how to do it, so make it happen. The good news is about God's heart for us and God's work for us in Jesus Verse 9, Jesus appears to take away sins. Verse, that was verse 5. Verse 9, Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 1, Jesus has come to give us a new place in God's family. I don't know if you noticed it, at the end of, of the Gospel of John reading, Jesus talked about how one day He is going to be lifted up and, and out of that is going to be the salvation of the world. He was pointing forward to His being lifted up on the cross. That is what we present. As we see that, as we see this is our God, this is the links that He has gone to rescue us and make us His. As that begins to take root in our lives, we cannot help but be unchanged. We can't help but be different. And I'm going to close with this. It gives us a new place in God's family and it produces a kind of humble confidence in our lives. Verse 28, And now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him at shame at His coming. I know many of you are aware of this, that the literature... And research on shame has exploded within the past 20 years. And so much of that has been good. What that tells us is that shame is a big problem. Shame is something that we all know, we all feel. And what God is saying is, I am doing something that will take away your shame, that will cover your shame. Think about Adam and Eve back in the garden and their attempts after feeling exposed, vulnerable, trying to cover up on their own. God is giving us a confidence that we might appear before Him without shame. Not an arrogant confidence in who we are and what we've done and a look at me and how good I am, but a humble confidence that says, look at who He is And look at what He has done for me. This this worship service, we're going to end with these words. And I want to share, go ahead and share them so that you can already be thinking about them because these words have been sinking in me. These are words of hope. These are words of confidence that capture what it looks like to not experience shame at His coming. From the letter of Jude. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. 
To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we just ask that You would help us to see to see the kind of love that You have given us, that we should be called Your children, and that's what we are. If there are those who feel like that's not where they are, would, would that be something that You draw them into? That they would have this compelling and even irresistible sense that this is good and that this is for me and that You welcome as beloved sons and daughters. In Your name we pray. Amen.